Hello, everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode of After School, our student host, Amanda Salman, from SFU School of Interactive Art and Technology, is joined by alum Nick During. Nick is a software engineer with experience in product design and user experience, who currently works with the electric car startup FrontEnd. The two discuss learning not only in the classroom, but during co-ops and internships, navigating the complexities of a new job, and the importance of finding meaning and happiness in your work. I hope you enjoy the episode. Like at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of what you do at work is figuring out like what's going to make me happy. Hello, everyone. Uh, Joining us for this episode is Nick. Nick is a graduate from the CEP program in 2017 and is currently working as a software engineer at Rivian. He's had a very... um, amazing career working at some very cool companies. Um, But without further ado, I'll kind of let him better introduce himself uh, and let us know about all the things that he's up to. So go ahead. Um, Yeah, so my name is uh, Nick Dorn. I'm a software engineer uh, currently working at Rivian. Uh, Rivian is an automobile startup. Uh, We make electric vehicles. Uh, We're going to be releasing some cars uh, later this year. Um, it's like, I guess, a startup kind of similar to Tesla. We make electric vehicles. Um, previously, I've done like mostly software engineering type stuff. I worked at an agency that was kind of an offshoot of IBM. And I've done, I guess, other types of work like in my internships or co-ops or whatever you want to call them. But uh, generally speaking, I've done actually software stuff, which I just feel is kind of funny, like going to like mostly design school. But <laughs> um so most of what I do actually on a day-to-day basis is self-taught. So, <laughs> um, okay, yeah, awesome. So I mean that's already so interesting. But kind of before we get into all of that bulk of kind of how you uh, yes diverged pathways from the traditional SEAT pathway, um, let's talk about how you even found SEAT and your time there. So what kind of introduced you to the SEAT program? Uh, it was actually pretty interesting how I found SIAT. I was having trouble finding a program that was kind of an interdiscipl- interdisciplinary mix of like design and like, well, I guess for me, when I was looking for it, I had just discovered what user experience design was. And I was going to school in the Bay Area, getting ready to transfer to Berkeley. And I had kind of looked there and they had like some ways you could potentially get into something like that. And it didn't feel like it was very relevant or at least applied, uh, which for me, I was looking to just get like, uh, I wanted a, like a big school experience in a sense. I didn't want to go to an art school or something because to me, it felt like, oh, if I'm doing user experience, like it's something that requires research. Like, why would I learn research from an art school? It doesn't make any sense. So uh, it, it was actually really difficult for me to find a school that offered that. And I was just Googling and eventually I found Seattle, which was great because not only was it like an applied 
degree that was relevant to his experience design, but it also had all these other things. So now it's like anything digital, I've probably done it. Like you can do software, you can do media. Um, so it was actually kind of a, I think really lucky that I found it, which now like it's a lot easier to find programs like this, but yeah, it was kind of one of the first ones that was around that I could find at least. Yeah. Uh, that's actually quite unique. I mean, uh, you started school in like 2013-ish. And so user experience and design, I guess, jobs didn't really, I guess, blow up until later half of the 2010s, until 2016. If you like, have an answer, like, how did you find out about user like experience research and UI um, way back then? Well, I think the big thing for me, like how I kind of got into it in a sense was just every day using websites and applications just really frustrated me. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to fix this. Like there must be a better way. And uh, I, I think a lot of it was just Googling again, but I think it probably helped that I was in the Bay area. Like I think mm -hmm. when I first figured out, I was living in San Diego and it, it was, uh, I was actually going to architecture school. So it was like, I was getting kind of frustrated with that. And I realized okay. like, Hey, there's all these other opportunities there. And, um, I guess a lot of everything I do is kind of Google it and figure it out. But <laughs> <laughs> So now you're in SIA and you're kind of um, in the program that you were wanting, an interdisciplinary program focusing on design and user experience. How was your time at SIA? And I guess what was the most uh, memorable and I guess helpful aspects of SIA you found from your degree? So I think as far as like the most memorable or the most useful things for me uh, from SIA, there's there's kind of a few things like as far as day-to-day -day, uh, a lot of it was actually kind of learning how to learn mm. uh, because we were going through so many different things it was uh like like all these different i guess grammars of, of like different like skills that you have and being able to pick up new things was was really uh was was a really important part of it and being able to learn quickly and apply those skills quickly which a lot of my internships were like that was really integral and also like in in work after school, that was a big part of it. And I think another big thing about it was like learning how to communicate and work closely with other people while just, and, and, and even in something where it was a really sort of uh, integrated like multifunctional team of people with different skills, it, it's very relevant to what you're gonna be doing later in life. And uh, whether it's design or software engineering or whatever it is, like if you're working on a product or at an agency, uh, you're gonna be working with a group of diverse people that kind of have different understandings of things and might speak a different language, uh, whether that's like like technically or like actually like English, Spanish, whatever. But um, I think communication is like a really important skill for that, that that SIAP did really well in terms of uh, just like professionally being able to communicate and be like, I would say the glue that holds teams together. Because a lot of the time, like you'll have people that are really good at like software engineering or people that are good at design or research or whatever. But if you can't speak like the other people's language in terms of like just being able to communicate with them and understand uh, uh, what they're trying to like tell you, that's going to be a huge problem. Right. No, definitely. That's like something I've heard so many times. And what I've come to appreciate is just like you're thrown into these groups and you just have to figure it out. And it's a very like it's, it's like a real life simulation, basically. It's, that's what you're going to be doing so I definitely understand that aspect and where you're coming from so kind of going into moving from your time at SIAT into I guess your first job so during your time did you do any co-ops or internships or was this like outside or were you doing anything yeah I did a lot of co-ops and like in internships actually um it wasn't I guess necessarily something that I'd planned but 
uh, I knew that I wanted to kind of get a feel for what work was going to be like after school. And just in general, I think my my education has always been very applied, even from high school. Uh, that was kind of the whole point of my high school was do everything like applied and like homework doesn't make any sense because you don't get homework in real life. So it was a lot of uh, applied stuff. And uh, so that kind of led me to, to co-ops uh, during school. And one of the things that I think I found, one of the things that I learned from the co-ops and that I always tell people is you want to kind of, you want to try and get as many different types of experience that you can. And that doesn't necessarily mean like design versus engineering or whatever. It's uh, for me, it was, I want to know what it's like to work at like an enterprise versus agency versus like uh, working independently because each of them have a different feel and it, they're going to require different skills and you might be more comfortable in one than the other. Uh, and, and that was something that I think was really helpful for me. I actually did a co-op first with, uh, with SIA. I was actually working for the department. And then like right after that, I had an agency internship, which was really funny because they just like they reached out to me. I'm assuming that someone I knew recommended me or something. And uh, despite having a bunch of like co-ops before I graduated, I never actually had to do any interviews, okay. which is really weird, I guess, because um, uh, during Touchpoint, I had like like some interviews during that, but it's a bit different, I think, than like doing a regular interview for jobs because everything's kind of lined up and whatnot. And I, I got lucky and managed to get like my first job through, uh, through Touchpoint. And um, I think that it was really great that I kind of had a pretty good idea of what I was looking for in a job at that point. So like my first job, not only was it really kind of I guess it was just kind of easy to to get, but also it was really relevant to what I was looking for. And also at the same time, gave me a bit more experience in terms of like, what am I looking for in my next job? Whether that's like uh, the values that the company has or like the type of company it is, like the type of work I'll be doing. Uh, like generally speaking, I think you'll just get better at knowing what that is over time. But the earlier you can figure that out, the happier you're going to be in your job, I think. Definitely like trying out and kind of, recognize like as I mean I'm still a student and just from my experiences through like the minimal co-op work and other club work I've done it's like the work that you're doing it is not dependent on like the actual physical work that you're doing but in the environments that you're doing your work and that's something I guess as young students and still like very early in our careers like we don't recognize how that's like I guess the most important thing that you're really looking for when you're looking for a job or something that really suits you so kind of like talking about so you mentioned how you're trying out a whole bunch of different things kind of in your, uh, I guess, earlier uh, earlier in your career during your degree. Um, and then you graduate and then you come into IBM. You're working, I think, at All Purpose. Um, and so kind of can you guide us through how you went through SEAT and ended up in that software engineer route? Because no one, we, like, that's a very much a engineering comp sci type of route you would take, not a real SEAT route. So can you kind of explain what that trajectory was like? Because that's a very, um, I guess, oddball kind of career from SEAT. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say it's pretty interesting because if I had to pick, like, a concentration at SEAT, I definitely would have done, like, design, like, products uh, as my concentration because I think in as far as what I'm interested in, uh, like, like profession, I guess it would be more the product side. Um, but that being said, like whenever we were um, like working on projects, like a lot of our projects have more technical aspects to them. And I would generally be the person that ended up doing that because I mean, like 
broadly speaking, I would say Seattle is a design school. Like, yes, there's all these other sides, but as far as what I see from like students that have really succeeded and done well, like coming out of the school and that you hear about, like it's always like design people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is not to say that there, there's any the other disciplines are any less valid at all or anything. Uh, I think I know a lot of people that have done really well that people might not hear about so much that we're more on even the video game side, which there's no concentration for that, but like, it's kind of a very prominent part of the like interactive systems. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as far as me, like ended up being that like I had done a lot of like software programming type stuff, even before I came to Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. which like, I wouldn't say it was a lot of it, but it was kind of a, a theme throughout like what I was doing is that I just kind of like computers. Um, so like even now working as a software engineer, it's something that I kind of like fell into, but like my interests lie at the intersection, I think of like software engineering and products. So um, I've gotten really lucky in the positions that I've been in where I can like have the visibility and a little bit of like uh, input or at least communication with the product side of things. And maybe it's not in terms of like making an impact of like, oh, this is what the product should be, but it's having the ability to um, give feedback as far as like from the software side, like what's feasible, what's viable, like like what makes sense and using that to kind of uh, like in, uh, influence things on the product side, but also like because I have all of that sort of domain knowledge about like the product side of things, I'm able to like, I mean, the big thing again is like, I'm able to communicate with with those people and kind of make sure we're making the best decision we can because it's even it's not even just like product or design or, or software like a lot of it is the business aspect of things because at the end of the day like whoever you're working for unless you're working for yourself like the goal is to make money even right. if you are working for yourself like that's just yeah. kind of reality <laughs> unfortunately yeah and i think that's something that a lot of people coming out of design school they think oh i'm going to save the world and it's like no you're not going to save the world you're going to make someone money like, I know it sucks, but like that's what's happening here. You live in a capitalist society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, kind of talking about uh, your software engineer career uh, now, what does the day to day kind of look like for you? Um, I think, in a lot of ways, day to day for myself as a software engineer is, in some senses, similar to like what you'd be doing on the product side. Like, I guess everyone is doing like agile or scrum or some sort of way to organize like their work into like sprints and things like that. So like, regardless of what you're doing, if you're working at a like software product company, that's doing like digital things, you're going to probably be like sprints and you're going to have to like do planning and like retrospectives and things like that. So there's, I guess the reality is there's a decent amount of like meetings for all around that kind of stuff that regardless of what side you're on, like you're going to be doing the same thing in that respect. But, um, as far as like the day-to-day for software engineering, um, it's really like, I would say that what I'm doing now is a lot different actually than what I was previously doing, like agency versus like products, um, which this is my first time really doing product. And it's been a huge difference for me uh, from what I was doing previously. Cause I, the, like what's important and what the priorities are, are a lot different. Um, yeah. Or not necessarily different, but there's more priorities, I guess. Because uh, like when I was working at agency, a lot of it is just like get something that works as quickly as possible. And it doesn't matter if it lasts for six months because it's only going to be there for three months. Just get something. Right. It doesn't matter if it's resilient or whatever. Uh, which 
in a lot of ways, that's something that I'm good at. Like I learn things very quickly, apply them, and like I will make something that looks really cool and might not be the best piece of software because it's not meant to be. It's just meant to be interesting for the 10 minutes that somebody's actually interacting with that thing. Yeah. Um, which now it's like a big priority working at a product company is like whatever software you're making, it has to be like robust and resilient and well-tested and like, uh, like, I guess meeting like all of your, like, uh, I guess in the design process, it's like, you've got like, okay, you've got to like do the requirements and then you've got to kind of like, the, the it's weird because at an agency, you don't really have the whole product process, but now yeah. looking at a product company, even if you're on the software side, yeah. you have that process that's happening. So it's kind of funny that essentially I'm doing product work, but on the other side of things. So mm -hmm. it's something that you're familiar with, but um, the other side of it. And ah. I think also, um, I guess because it's actually like a startup, there's like every little sort of piece of it like impacts things in a different way. Um, right. Yeah. And I, I think, I only was able to end up where I am now because of every company I was at, I was kind of figuring out like exactly what it is I want. Uh, kind of talking about, you kind of um, touched on this point uh, earlier, but so you worked at an agency. So agencies are obviously working for different companies and doing multiple, taking on multiple different projects. And now you work at Rivian, so which is one company uh, that is focused on one product. Uh, can you kind of touch more about how like the differences between those, uh, I guess, work styles almost are? As far as like differences between like a product company and an agency, like the most obvious one, of course, is that if you're working in an agency, you're going to get to do a lot of different things and work is probably never going to be boring. Yeah. Because like, as long as you know, like, oh, I want to do graphic design and I want to do a lot of interesting graphic design, you know, kind of, you can look at the agency and, oh, this is the work that they've done in the past. And you're probably going to find a good match, assuming you know what you're right. looking for. And uh, like every, I don't know, every like six weeks, every six months, you're going to have something new and exciting and right. you'll have a great portfolio. And uh, well, assuming you're not working on NDA stuff, like yeah. you'll have some things that you can get in your portfolio, but realistically, regardless of what type of company you're at, there's going to be NDA stuff. Some yeah. places it might be pretty brutal. Like yeah, I have nothing I can show from IBM because everything was like NDA. Oh, but, I, um, I, I got, I got lucky in the sense that I was able to get another job, like without having a portfolio. Cause I guess even mm -hmm. as a software engineer, like you're going to have like, like there's some level of like, you need to be able to show that like you can do the job. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, like agency as compared to product, it's um, like, I think there's also like there's product and then there's kind of like startup product. Mm -hmm. Cause for me, I knew that I didn't want to be going to a product company that was just going to be like the same thing over and over again, all day, every day. Cause another mill, like another, another number in the mill in the machine type of thing. Yeah. It, like if I get bored, like I'm just going to stop, like I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to find a new job basically. Cause uh, like I get, I mean, I get bored easily. Like I need something that not only that I can care about and feel like I'm doing good work, but also like something that's engaging. And I think that's part of the reason why I decided to go with like a startup as opposed to like a large company. Like, I guess you could say like, I know a lot of people that work at like Google and Facebook and whatever, but for me, like beyond the fact that to me, it feels like I'm not necessarily like improving the world by working at those companies. Yeah. Uh, 
like it's something where I don't want to be working on a button for six months, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, that was sometimes what I got a sense of working at um, like IBM. Like I, I got lucky, I think, in that respect that most of my work was agencies. It was pretty interesting. And then at the end of my time there, I was actually kind of doing product work at a, a, a project um, mm -hmm. that IBM had. Uh, IBM.org. So I got kind of a taste of what that would look like and kind of like realistically, like I was able to kind of make a more informed decision about like what my next position should be. Yeah. And um, that kind of led me to go towards the startup route. And there's actually a lot of things that are like similar in a sense between like startups and agencies. Mm -hmm. like, depending on the stage that you're in, like if you're at a startup, like it's always going to be like super interesting what you're doing. You're going to be wearing a lot of hats. So like as somebody that's like going through Seat, like you've got the ability to wear a lot of hats. Like yeah. if you get in super early, then you'd be doing marketing. You'll be doing like graphic design, interaction design. Like you could do some like software if you want. Like it's kind of like uh, the in terms of like t-shaped people like that spot where you're deep is going to get you in the door but as soon as they see like how wide you are like you're going to be indispensable and you're going to be super yeah. valuable to be part of the team and even for myself working in a very late stage startup like i guess when i got here there were 1500 people and there's like over 6,000 now or something and it's only wow. been like eight months wow. uh so like i i knew that like Yes, it's a car company, but there's so much kind of software stuff that they were doing in digital that like I knew that I wasn't ever really going to be bored. Yeah. And that was a big part of it. I want to be somewhere that I am proud to say I work there and where there's always interesting stuff going on. So, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway for me as far as like figuring out your path is like get as much exposure to as many different types of things as you can as early as possible. So you can better figure out like what's going to make you happy or like, like work is like a third of your day. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like people say, Oh, sleep's a third of your life. You want to like spend money on a good mattress. It's like the same thing with work. It's like, it's very difficult, I think, to figure out exactly what it is that you want to do. So just kind of get out there as much as possible and like, hopefully you'll find something that makes you happy sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah yeah i mean for me like i took 10 years in my undergrad degree so i kept switching what it was i wanted to do i was in architecture yeah. school for two years and then i was like oh that's not quite right and i was like oh i'm gonna do like i guess after that i figured out something like ux but then it was like okay i'm gonna go to junior college and get credits and then i'm gonna go to this and like maybe i want to do computer science maybe i want to do like uh um cognitive science like it was all this back and forth and like i guess some people would say like oh you spent 10 years on your undergrad like that was such a waste of time but for me it's like you know i learned a lot of stuff and i think it made me more valuable as a like an employee or like someone's going to start a business because i have all of this broader range of experience which is yeah. in a sense what ci is giving you so, yeah like, yeah and i think like the more time you take i guess being a student you have uh, kind of a safety net and the more time you take kind of figure out at this point of your life as to what you truly want it'll be a lot easier of a ride going forward so I think that's definitely like a really good um, path to take even if it is a longer path. Kind of going into your work at Rivian working with a car company that's 
quite unique uh, to a lot of what, because most people, even if they're doing software engineering, it's still related to like web design kind of product, like very web-based, but with the car, you're working with more of a physical um, like thing. So I, I don't actually work on the car. I am doing like web work, um, yeah. but that being said, it's like it's web applications. Um, I work like in the vehicle services department. So okay. like, I guess normally you've got dealerships and like the dealerships are where you get your car serviced or you've got independent like service uh, mechanics or something. Yeah. Uh, and like, we don't have that because like, it doesn't make sense. Like dealerships are like unnecessary, yeah. but um, you've still got vehicle service. And even though yeah. it's like an electric car, like it needs a lot less, but it still needs it. And there's a lot right. of cool stuff you can do with that when you're kind of starting from the ground up. And uh, right. Um, which I don't want to just start waxing for like about rigging forever, but um, <laughs> it's hard not to do. I just get caught up in it. But um, uh, so I work in the vehicle service department, and I actually make inventory software uh, for parts. Um, so I guess you could think of like, like if you're at Home Depot, like there's all the shelves and whatnot, and it's like I, I feel like Home Depot is a really good example of it in terms of like you can go on the Home Depot app and say I want this thing and it'll tell you the part number and it'll tell you exactly which stall it's in and like how many are there and you can order stuff and there's just like a really robust kind of like inventory like software that I'm assuming they make custom because I doubt SAP yeah. does all that stuff but um uh so I, I deal with that kind of stuff in terms of like uh, allowing the um service centers to actually run and like schedule appointments and whatever um uh, so as far as like i think there's a lot of interesting things about that which most people would be like oh you make like inventory software that sounds super boring but um because we're actually dealing with like physical product there's there's a lot of constraints that are just essentially like non-negotiable like a person when they're <laughs> putting something on a shelf, they have to take it wherever it is and physically go somewhere else and put it on that shelf. So there's a lot of considerations there. And like, there's things where it's like a lot of the time when you're um, making software, you tend to make assumptions and it's something where you've got to, you've got to test it. Cause like, you don't know if like having something with this layout versus that layout is like any better. You've just got to test it, but like working with physical things, there's just kind of, there's a lot more thought around like oh physically what's happening and that's going to make your decision for you in terms of like okay i'm grabbing this thing and then like i want to decide oh i want this many of this thing going here and this many going there and like because of like what that workflow is that's actually happening in the real world like that's going to be something that's impacting how you um make your software right. uh, which isn't like which doesn't say that like if you're working at facebook or something that's not part of it but um to me that's a interesting yeah. no here there's more of like a bigger one-to-one -one, like you were able to see the impacts of it very quickly and all of that so I, I definitely recognize that it's so interesting because I guess we forget we always see like you know the Facebooks and like you make this and that but like you forget how important that nitty-gritty work is like inventory software is extremely important especially when you're dealing with things with parts and um things that are affecting in the real life so uh yeah I think that's such a cool like I personally think that's really cool because you forget to think that everything needs to be designed and uh, that's such an important aspect of what I guess what we do as a designer so I think that's really cool I'm just nerding out I know you just kind of have recently started up at Rivian and you're kind of doing this after working for a while um at a different agency and where do you kind of want to end up and develop into just personally 
as far as where I'm looking to go, I think that I try and take the approach of like, there's only so many things you can control. And there's kind of like, you can look into like how you want to grow like personally and professionally where you are versus where you want to go next. And I think a lot of what I've done actually has been trying to figure out better where I want to go next. And like that part of things, like I've probably got a good idea, but realistically there's also the aspect of figuring out like what, like, what do you want to do where you are now? Cause if you're at like, I just regardless of what company you're at, like there's mm-hmm. the potential to do, to, to have like some, some level of movement, whether that's up or sideways or whatever in, in within your own company. And like, if you know what it is you want, then like, you can say like, oh, I want to like go into management or whatever. Then that, that means I'm going to like attack different problems, different ways. Uh, versus if you want to just be, I guess what they call like an individual contributor, where you just want to like be like a really proficient like designer or mm-hmm. uh, engineer, that, that's going to be like different goals. It's kind of like, do you want to work with people? Do you want to just like make things like what satisfies you? Like at the yeah. end of the day, I feel like a lot of what you do at work is figuring out like what's going to make me happy and like a lot of what I do like it isn't actually doing the work itself is trying to figure out like is this like satisfying me um but right now realistically a lot of what I'm doing is just trying to kind of keep afloat where I am I haven't gotten to the point where I can figure out my next steps yet because like realistically when I first started at Rivian like my team was like four people like there wasn't really much time for anything and like I was the only front-end person so if I stopped working nothing happened so I just had to work endlessly um which I mean some people be like oh that sounds terrible but like you're working in a startup you know what you signed up for like a big part of it is if you're working in a startup you've got the sort of agency or the ability to kind of take ownership over things and make an impact even if like I work at a car company. I'm not working on cars, but whatever it is that I'm working on, I can like make an impact and make my mm-hmm. presence like felt and doing that on something that I really feel is important. I feel like you've been kind of mentioning it as through the questions, but um, I think you're at a kind of, from what I know, it's like a kind of a crossroads of trying to figure out like what satisfies you on a greater scale rather than just on a working scale like a personal satisfaction type of level, I think you're at that point in your career. So for you, what is, what is that? Uh, what is that personal satisfaction for you right now to find? Yeah, I think there's a lot of parts to that. Um, the, the primary one, which was actually like the number one consideration for me when I was like looking for jobs recently, like um, I actually had like, I guess a lot of trouble during COVID because um, like I was working with the agency and there was no work. So I was just kind of chilling like, okay, like there's nothing to do here. I guess I have to find yeah. a new job. And of course everyone else had similar things going on. So it took me like 10 months from when I started like searching to when I actually got a position, which it feels kind of like crazy actually admitting that, but like, like it's that's the realities of our time, you know, it's like, you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, it's like didn't lose my job, but there was no work to do. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so like I really had to figure out like what success meant to me or what was important in a new job. And the big thing, I think number one was almost like, um, I guess like I've like alluded to is that like I'm doing work that I can be proud of, and mm-hmm. like I'm like I can feel like not necessarily proud, but like I'm not gonna feel ashamed to tell somebody like where I work and what I do. 
um, like I want to be excited to share with people like what my life is because like it's like cool work is a, yeah yeah I mean like work is a big part of your life if I have like a job that I want to share like other people are like sharing what they do on Instagram or whatever then like I've just locked down like a third of my like hours in terms of like what's going to satisfy me in life so yeah. like for me that ended up being like I actually like in the end like I got like for nine months nothing ever worked out but then in that 10th month like I kind of figured out like okay this is what interviewing is and like I've developed that skill enough where like okay I'm getting offers and I got like four offers at once and it was like okay I could work like for a healthcare like startup I could work for like a company that like develops like municipal waste systems and like water like oh, it was basically yeah. like make sure people's water works well or whatever okay. which doesn't sound super sexy but it was like oh this is really have an impact on people <laughs> no, definitely and uh and it was like uh there was um a oh, lesson was some i think it was like a, a cryptocurrency like finance startup or something yeah. um but um like at the very last second, like I got an interview with Rivian and uh, like, I, I guess the crazy thing is like first interview Thursday, second interview on Friday, like got the offer on Monday, which other companies is like months. Right. And uh, so that was like, you know what, you guys really care and enough to like give me that kind of response and get people like ready to interview. Um, so like a big part of it was like, all of these companies were places where like I knew that I was going to be able to have some positive impact and be like proud of sharing it with people or if not proud like I wasn't going to feel crappy about it yeah and like I would like in my day-to-day -day, like like I wouldn't dread going to work and then after that it's just like figuring out like what is going to satisfy you after work <laughs> you know yeah. so no I definitely agree with like what you're kind of coming from is like I think especially as young wide-eyed students we're like we see the shiny labels and we're like that's so cool that's like that's real sexy label like I want that under my name and then you kind of go into the work and you're like I don't know if this is this is it and like I think just respecting like all types of work and whatever is meaningful to one person might not be a meaningful to another person so like to end it out with a real dumb question oh I, I call them insightful um but uh what animals would be the most terrifying if it could like speak i live out in the middle of nowhere now like i i was in like the city and whatnot like forever like vancouver or whatever but i live like i don't know the nearest like city is like an hour or two away from me now so i get oh. to see like deers and elk and all that kind of stuff like all the time now which um like i guess seeing like bobcats and mountain lions and that kind of stuff is always like scary but in terms of like like what would be terrifying to speak I almost feel like the most insightful person would be the most insightful animal would be the most terrifying because they could just read you raw and just like totally destroy you as a human being. Uh, so I'd probably go with like, I don't know, like a turtle. Thanks for joining us in the studio. If you enjoyed the episode, please let us know by following us on Spotify or reaching out to us on our Instagram at SFU. Other than that, we'll catch you in the studio next time.
After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Nick During, hosted by Amena Salman. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Duga, Stacey Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at SFU. That's fcat at SFU. You can learn more about SFU's School of Interactive Art and Design at sfu.ca slash siat. You can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at siatsfu. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Gloria Mercer, an independent filmmaker who graduated from SFU's film program in the School of Contemporary Arts. Make sure you subscribe to After School on your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss this next episode. We'll see you next time.